Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Lou, the new and extended baby range. Flynn and you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. This podcast series will feature real mums talking about the beautiful but hard work of raising children today. Joining me in studio is Love Life and Little Ones blogger and mum of four, Laura Doyle, founder of DublinCityMum.ie and mum of two, Avril White. And last but certainly not least, we are joined by author and health and wellness coach and mum of one, Alison Canavan. And today we are discussing motherhood and mental health. I suppose to start, mental health seems to be such a huge topic in the media, but I sometimes feel that mental health and motherhood, even though it's such a relevant topic, and I know it's something that all mums-to-be and mums worry about in general, but it isn't kind of talked about enough. Going to you first, Avril, I know that you had a struggle to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and then the pregnancies were quite challenging with both of the girls. That's right, yeah. Both my girls were conceived by IVF and I've had a lot of miscarriages along my journey to motherhood. And when I had my first, I was so consumed by getting pregnant and being pregnant and how incredibly blessed I was to be pregnant. I never considered, you know, what was the journey after I have the baby. I concentrated so much on getting pregnant and the birth. I didn't think of what's it going to be like breastfeeding? What's it like you know, to be up for five hours a night trying to breastfeed. And I really struggled to breastfeed my first as well. She didn't latch on and it was, I had quite a traumatic birth. So the whole experience wasn't what I had in my imagination. I perceived this wonderful experience, which it was the complete opposite. Did you like being pregnant? As in, I did. I loved being being pregnant. pregnant? I I was just so happy to finally be pregnant and to stay pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose I was taking a lot of hormones because of the treatment and everything. So I didn't really get off the hormones for the first trimester. So I was really, really tired and knackered mm-hmm. in the first trimester anyway. Um, it's funny because when I look back, I think, oh, it was great. I sailed through it. It was a breeze. I'm, a, you know, the poster girl for IVF. But actually, when I talk to my husband now, he's like, oh, my God, you were, you were kind of crazy. <laughs> and there were certain periods where I was kind of afraid of you. And I was like, what? Did that really happen? You know, I mean, human be- we're so resilient, aren't we? And, you know, once we go through some kind of any kind of trauma, we kind of move on and move forward. We don't really look back. But it's always when someone else says to you, they're like, this is what really happened. You're kind of you reflect a bit more. It's yeah. funny, though. I mean, Laura, just coming to you, you really mm. liked being pregnant, whereas I like despite being a midwife, despite loving <laughs> pregnant women, I absolutely hated it. And I don't use that word lightly. I felt it's such a challenge to my body, mm. to how I felt about myself. But you loved it. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, I was sick and I was tired and I was hormonal. But that aside, like mentally, I felt amazing. Um I'm a quite quite a slim build, so the weight that I put on, I loved my body. I loved the curves that I had when I was pregnant. Boobs. Loved it. <laughs> and my bum. I just I felt really, really confident. Um and I felt really connected to my husband while I was pregnant. Um, and while I wasn't, but definitely while I was pregnant, yeah, I felt great. And then did you find then afterwards <clears throat> that there was a more of a land afterwards with regards to your mental health? Um not really. I I was breastfeeding um, and I just still felt amazing. I felt so empowered to breastfeed and that my body was doing this and I kind of would have a little bit of a negative body image. So for my body to be able to do that, I actually felt the opposite. I felt great. There's real healing. I was really proud. Yeah, yeah. And Alison, coming to you, it is a thing though, depending on how you are, you don't know how you're going to feel when you're pregnant and certainly when you're going to be a new mum. And I know with you as well that, you know, during your pregnancy, did you enjoy it? And how did you feel after you had your baby? 
It's interesting because when everybody's talking, I'm like, yes, I felt that. Yes, I felt that. Yeah, I understand how that feels. It's, it, I suppose I loved being pregnant as well. Exactly what you said, Laura. I loved having the boobs. I never had any boobs. I mean, they were like, yeah. I just. And I, it was the first time in my life I said to my sister that, you know, I realised what people felt like when they had boobs. Because I remember I was about eight months pregnant and I went to a lunch and all the men talked to my chest. And I was like, oh my God, I've never experienced this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I understand what people talk about now. Um, and then it was all gone after. But it was interesting because I started modelling at 15. So... I would have said, oh, I don't have any issues, you know, with body image and I don't mm-hmm. have this. But you can't be in an industry from 15 and not subconsciously be mm. brainwashed, mm-hmm. you know. So, of course, when I had the baby, um, my body had changed dramatically. And the only way I could get back to work was to fit back into a certain size of clothing. And I went, oh, my God, I have the most stupid job in the world. Like, really? Like, and of course, you didn't get paid maternity leave. No, so no maternity leave. Self-employed, obituary, at that Part. I had moved back in with my mom. I had didn't have my own home or car. Like things had gone from living on Central Park West, life being good, modelling for years to, you know, crash back down, single mom. You know, all of this happened very quickly. So I was still trying to come to terms with the fact that I was a single mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mind anything else. And then, oh, I can't go back to work until I lose all this baby weight. So for me, it was just this. And it was really interesting when you were talking, Avril, about Oh, I was like this. And then you ask your husband mm-hmm. and he's like, well, actually, I'm not, not sure really about that. Perception. <laughs> your perception, my perception of how you're getting yeah. on and other people. Because I remember saying to my mum, yes, I felt I coped very well during my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And it was only after. And she was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. OK. Yes. Because sometimes, though, it's, it takes another person to realise yeah. that maybe you are struggling a little bit. I think you're, you're so like you're looking after the baby and you're on autopilot mm-hmm. that somebody else needs to go. Actually, I think you might be struggling a little bit or you might... You know, have and that's where the support network ne- networks come in. Yeah. But I think yeah. there's a real emphasis at the moment to be the perfect mother. And I think maybe that's what, where some of the pressure comes in, that we look through the prism of what everybody else is doing. And you think everybody else has this figured out. Why can't I? And I know I certainly still, I mean, Felix is three months old. And I am still kind of... You didn't have it figured out yet? No, I know. (laughs) Funnily enough, he didn't read the same baby book as me. (laughs) So, you know, so... um, But isn't there such uh, emphasis on perfect? You have to be the perfect mother. So Mm -hmm. therefore, in your... It's very hard if you're struggling with your mental health Mm -hmm. to say, I need help. Avril, what do you think if somebody was struggling? What advice would you give? Where would you think that they should go to get some support. Yeah, I think as mothers, we put ourselves under so much pressure, which is completely unnecessary. We shouldn't compare ourselves to anyone, first and foremost. Um, If somebody is struggling, go and talk to your GP and like, okay, families are great with the best people in the world. They're not professionals. They're not going to give you the right advice. They might try and say, oh, go and have a cup of tea or go and have a nap or something. But that might necessarily be the best thing. I think for anyone who's really struggling, go and speak to a professional, go and speak to your GP, go and speak to your health nurse. It's a funny thing, though, I think in pregnancy, you have, you know, a cohort of relatively healthy people that are looked after quite intensively when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then when you've had your baby, it's kind of like, okay, six week checkup. See you later. And I think that's a that's a real problem. Alison, how do you feel about that? that, that, I wrote a book about it because of it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I was really struggling and I kind of thought, you know, I think we all suffer from I'm not good enough itis. That's just part of the human condition. But when I was pregnant, I was like, 
all I've ever been told my entire life is how good I am with kids. That's literally what everybody was telling me. And even all the years of modelling, it might have been an excuse now for everyone to go, here, will you mind my baby? Because you're so good with kids. Um, but I kind of felt when I was pregnant, I've got this, you know, I'm really excited. I can't wait. I love children. And then I was struggling really badly, you know, as I am. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm not even a good enough mom. Wow. And that for me, like I was looking at everyone else and I was thinking and still like James is eight. I still get very emotional about this. I remember looking around me going, she's got three kids. She's got four kids. She seems to have it all together. Mm -hmm. Why am I struggling so badly? Why can't I do this? And all these thoughts running through my head. And I remember we didn't have any of the mummy websites that we have today. That was only eight years ago. There was mm. none of that yeah. existed. Or any of the mummy bloggers. Or any yeah. of the mummy so bloggers. We had that siege None support. of that. And uh, I remember going into a bookshop and no books for moms. And at this stage, I was really struggling and I was going back and forth to London working a little bit. And I thought, I know, there's a huge bookstore in Oxford Street. And I went in and I was visibly kind of not great, you know. And I said to the girl, do you have any books for new moms? And she goes, oh yeah, we have a whole section. I was, oh my God, amazing. And I went over and she could see the tears in my face and all I could see was like 10,000 books for babies all across Mm. the wall. And I was like, you don't understand. I want a book for how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't really understand. And I was like, there is there was not one book mm-hmm. for it's moms. It's incredible, really, considering yeah. all the information and knowledge that's out yeah. there now. It's, it's like we prepared them for pregnancy, yeah. all moms, and then we just forget about Good you. Good luck. See you now. Yeah. Off you go. And if we look after our moms, they will naturally look after the yeah, babies. Happy mom, because, happy baby. You know, yeah. your instinct sense. takes over and yeah. of course you're going to be there. But I do think there's this myth of perfectionism that that runs through society. It's not even just through motherhood. And I Mm -hmm. think if that is there before we have children, it just gets exacerbated and magnified when we become moms, because, you know, all of those insecurities that we have before becoming a parent, I just think they multiply, you know, Um, and I find that for myself. Yeah, and totally. And I mean, Laura, I know that you've said before that it was actually with baby number four yeah, um, that was actually was a was a challenge when sometimes people would assume, oh, you've had three, sure, this will be walk in the park. Whereas yeah. for you, it wasn't like no. that. No, so so yeah, I had um, my fourth was the third in three years. So when she was born, yeah, so it was it was quite overwhelming. Um, and I found I kind of felt like, yeah, I've got this, you know, I know what I'm doing. Um, I've three that are, you know, still alive, so I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, and I kind of just was on autopilot. And then one day I was dropping my husband to the dart station to go to work. He had just kind of gone back to work and he went to get out of the car and I just burst into tears. I kind of didn't even really feel it coming. I just and and he was like, of course, what's wrong? You know, and I just said I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to I didn't want him to go to work. Um, And I just thought, okay, I need to book a GP. I need to talk to somebody about this because I suppose I have four little ones in the back of this car that are relying on me. You need so, to be well. Yeah. And I kind of, I felt a little bit, okay, if I'm proactive about this, if it is something, if it is postnatal depression, I want to deal with this um, because I've got them relying on me. So I booked the GP, I went and we had a really good chat and she actually said to me, Laura, Nobody in this world can do a job 24-7, you know, including you. That's including such good moms. advice. You know, because I was breastfeeding, I was doing all the night feeds, I was getting up doing the school run and I kind of was, was doing it 24-7. And she said, you know, you need a break. You know, you need to, if you're breastfeeding, try and express, give her a bottle and go have a walk, have a massage, 
go out on your own, you know, and I really needed to hear that because I think there's a there's a guilt in doing mm. stuff for yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that whole self-care. It's almost like a dirty yeah. word, go and have a massage. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Me, a mother? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Ex- but exactly. And that's exactly what you need because a happy and a healthy mum is happy children. You and know? I suppose that begins with self-care. Totally. Definitely. I know, Avril, you've said that sometimes you're you're getting better at it. Yeah, I'm not great at the whole self-care thing. I mean, this this is like a new hashtag that has mm. I've been introduced to through Instagram. I know certainly when I had my first, I was like, I tried so long to have this baby and I was going to be, again, the poster mother. But that's just not realistic. And when you're a new mom, you're so vulnerable. You're so sleep deprived. Yeah. And I really struggled with breastfeeding my first. She finally got it after week three and I was finally starting to feel a bit more sane again. But I have two sisters and they're quite strong individuals and my eldest has four kids and she's a real powerhouse of a woman and she was like, just get on with it, she'll be grand. But my second I sister... I hate that phrase, just, yeah, get, just on get on with, with it. it. Oh, and it's so tough. Our Ireland was built. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But my middle sister, is, she's more gentle and, you know, sorry to my eldest if you're listening, <laughs> but that's just the way you are. And I love you all the less, nonetheless. But anyway, my little sister, she was always like, you're doing a great job. That was the one thing she kept saying Some to posi- me. Positive she just regard even reinforcement. I had no clue what I was doing. I came home with this baby. I barely knew how to change a nappy. And she was like, you're doing a great job. And even sometimes when, you just need to hear that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, even when I probably wasn't. But then I started to believe it. And I started to believe in myself a bit more. And then I was like, you know, actually, I can do this. And Alison, self-care is so important, but self-care doesn't have to be getting a massage. No, not self- the social media self-care. I mean, it's like we go into January and everyone's hashtag self-care, hashtag <laughs> authenticity, hashtag. I'm like, oh, self-care is honouring how you are and who you are in this moment. Good bad, or in, good, bad, good, bad or indifference. Good, bad, indifference. I mean. That's why I went to UCLA to study mindfulness, where they're doing the best research in the world in this field and an awful lot of research on the brain and neuroscience. And I'm just deeply fascinated by the brain and mental health. It's something I've struggled with since my teens, from very, very young. And one of the things that we've kind of lost in the whole conversation is that being more mindful is about accepting who you are in this moment without judgment. And for that, it's accessible for everybody. So it's not about exterior things like doing things or getting things or going somewhere. It's really about like doing that work where you see yourself, you know, and most moms say, and I said it, I was the per- I was the person who was always like, you don't understand. I have no time. I have no time. Mm-hmm. This this myth of having no time, it is a myth because stopping a couple of minutes a day and taking a deep breath and literally grounding yourself and saying, how do I feel right now? That question is so powerful. And, mm. and everybody can do that. You Everyone know, you, you can don't do need that. Access that to me is self-care. To, yeah, That's what self-care is. You don't need access to kind of... Because I think sometimes for people, you know, therapy in this country is so expensive. Mm-hmm. If you are unwell and unless you are, you know, very dramatically unwell and emergently unwell, to actually get better is cost fortune. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Whereas, even if you're dramatically unwell, I would like you to try and access support services in oh, Ireland. I mean, the government handed over all this. Don't get me started on this. The government have handed over the this, the mental health, you know, area to charities and totally. charities shouldn't be carrying the weight. It is the government that should have support services. And I'm very passionate about this because I wake up every single day and I read emails from moms, mm. from people who are struggling. And they're people in, you know, rural Ireland, around the country, moms who feel very lonely. I mean, no one tells you, by the way, how lonely you're going to feel mm-hmm. with a little person in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I have never felt more lonely than I was as a new mom. Exactly. Which is, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That you have this little person that's glued to you. Definitely. Like, I have found with, with Felix, my son, who is 12 weeks that, I mean, I have always been this very busy, very independent person and having to totally 
dramatically, you know, mm-hmm. cut down on everything else. I yeah. found that a real challenge mm-hmm. yeah. to my own mental health. And I certainly have fe- felt at times achingly lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. hoping like walking in the park and hoping that somebody would say, say hello. Oh, yeah, or smile at you yeah. and go yeah. say hello but and yeah. interact. It's, you're, you're in such a vulnerable state as a new mother anyway and it's so lonely and isolating. Not for everybody but for the majority of people if we admit it, I mean you're at home trying to feed a baby all day. Mm. It's not a very happy place sometimes and I think that was the premise of why I started my site was when I had my first baby in London, I did a private antenatal class. So I had a ready-made group of best friends who were still mm. my best friends today. There was who co- are going through the same thing. Exactly. So we were in a support. WhatsApp group like, who's going to the park today? Let's join us. So we, we we had such a good time. I mean, yeah, we struggled, but we got there and it was brilliant and we had a massive support network. And then when I came back and had my second baby in Dublin, I was suddenly sitting on the couch going, oh my God, all my friends are working. No one's on mat leave. Mm. I was like, I need to make new friends. So you totally have to make an effort and get your bum off the couch don't be a slave to the routine. It doesn't matter. And if you're not feeling great about yourself, that's a real challenge. Yeah, you know, and you know what? Your support networks can be anyone. They don't have to be family because family are often busy. And I know I've said this before. Your support networks can be a neighbour, a babysitter. They can be a friend you make at a play group. A, like go to the baby massage class. Mm. It's not really about the bonding experience you have with your baby that is an element to it but it's the coffee you have afterwards with the person who's sitting beside you is the and most so valuable sure thing the prettiest baby yeah it can brighten up your whole week I def- it, that's yeah. my biggest advice to a new mum is to join a group any yeah. group yeah. Um, just where there's other mums other people somebody you can have a conversation with when I had my first at 21 I found I found myself really isolated I'd kind of because you have that label young mum which yeah, I felt really all eyes were on me, me. Mm. you know I felt, yeah, all eyes were on me because I'm this young mum and, you know, I can't struggle. You know, I've, I've, I've been thrown, Because you're I'd afraid say. that if you are struggling and say that you're struggling, people are just going to eye roll and go, oh, well, sure, you know. Young mum. Which is awful. Yeah. And I find that being an older yeah. mum, okay. that I have the same thing at yeah. the opposite end of the spectrum. Where? That if I say I'm struggling, people are like, oh, well, sure, she waited a bit too long, didn't she? You know, no matter yeah. what mm. way you do yeah. it, yeah. somebody will have an eye roll for you. Mm. Which yeah, I well, I definitely was afraid to say that I was struggling or having a hard time on him. Yeah, because of that or because I, I which sounds so irrational now, I thought he might have been taken off me or, you know, I, I think for single mums as well, there's a fear that maybe the dad through access or, you know, if they're going through court, that it might go against them to say that they're struggling with their mental health. That might be, you know, a, a, a cross against them. Um yeah. And I think that's, I th- we'll come back to that in part two. And also one of the things that I wanted to discuss is finding your tribe and finding mm. a proper support yes. network. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you back in part two. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Lou, the new and extended baby range. Welcome back to part two of our Motherboard podcast. Many of you will have heard the quote or something like it. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it's really, really relevant. Alison, I'll go to you first. What are your views on this, especially when it comes to motherhood? Yeah, I mean, if we look outside, everything appears to be different to what it really is. So it's also an illusion, you know, (laughs) illusion is the thief of joy. And I think we all compare. It's part of who we are as human beings. I mean, I think when we when we have these discussions, it's really important that we embrace and accept a the messiness of life and b all of who we are, because my struggles with mental health began when only 50 percent of me was valid. 
And they were the good parts of me and my good feeling emotions. And even during some therapy, it was always like, right, well, we need to get rid of these bad emotions. And, and get, these rid dark, of, get rid you know, of, like, you know, that, that we can put them somewhere or that, you know, it makes you a bad person or that you're not supposed to have these emotions. And what I have learned through all my training and um, as a mindfulness teacher is that it's really important that we embrace all of us. And that includes what pe- a lot of people call our shadow side or darker emotions, because 50% of us that are, are what some people call negative, I like to call them difficult emotions, are actually really important. And they're there to tell us when we're in trouble. And they're there to tell us when we're in a difficult situation. And they're also part of the human experience. And we never grow except through suffering. And I know that's really difficult for people to hear. Mm-hmm. And when you're going through a really hard time, it's really difficult at the time. But there's nothing that you go through that afterwards when you come out of it, you don't look back and go, oh, I get it. I get exactly why I was meant to go through that experience. Because it's the person you become mm. after you have experienced that. Like I am who I am because I've been through 15 years of addiction because I fought those demons. But what I used to think was that I used to have to fight them and get rid of them. But what I now know is that I have to integrate that part of myself. So you have to embrace Embrace the it and integrate stuff. it. Yeah, and kind of sit with it. Like in mindfulness, we sit with the difficult aspects of our own personality and we, we meet them with love and compassion. One of my teachers, Rebecca Peters in UCLA's, one of the most stunning mentors I've ever had. And she said something to me very early on. And she said to me, Alison, mindfulness that's not met with self-compassion and kindness causes anxiety. And I just went, whoa, say that again. I was like, tweet, tweet, tweet. And one of those moments. <laughs> and really it is because if when you sit in mindfulness, what happens? All your emotions come up, everything. You know, you're giving yourself space. And in that space, everything will arise. Not just what you want to Not arise. Not just the good stuff. Everything will arise. And if you don't meet that with kindness and compassion, you're going to struggle with it. It's going to become a battle. So that's been a huge gift and a huge learning for me is to really integrate the darker parts of my personality, the more challenging times in my life and and be kind to that part of me. Like um, I'm also trained in compassionate inquiry that Dr. Gabor Mate does. And he's one of my heroes in the world of addiction, where he always talks about ask not why the addiction, ask why the pain. So instead of blaming someone for the addiction, we all suffer from addiction in some form or another. Some people have alcohol, some people have shopping, some people have codependency, you know, food. And when we start to look at ourselves in that way as human beings and we start to look at the pain we're in, we can then kind of try to understand that we're trying to self-soothe an aspect of us that's in pain. And then we talk to that part and go, oh, my God, I see you. I see you and, and I'm here as, for as you. Par- as yeah. part of that. And I know that Avril, that you felt and certainly I have felt mm-hmm. at times that certainly asking for assistance, sometimes that's the people that you surround yourself with and sometimes it's more of a professional mm-hmm. support yep. um, and I know I've spent years doing lots of different sorts of counselling and they've all be, been of benefit how have you yeah. felt with that when you've struggled I'm just really inspired by what Alison said there and I can totally resonate with those life experiences make you the person mm. you are today and I think everything that I've gone through has empowered me to be the mother that I am I'm much more assertive. I will stand up and fight for my children like I would never have before. Um, and I think this was in my journey to motherhood. I've had various miscarriages and, you know, it's been a really difficult path. And um, I had a late miscarriage and 
I thought I was dealing with it and I probably never gave when I look back, I think I never gave myself the time really to own those emotions. I just tried to power through. You never let the bad deal with the bad. Yeah, stuff I, I'm again. really positive, energetic, optimistic person about everything in life. I'll always find the hope in something. And I think I was going to work. I was putting a smile on my face. I thought life was okay. And then I remember I was just having a catch up with my boss, and she was like, "And how are you?" And I just froze, and then I just burst into tears. And I was like, "I'm really not okay." And uh, she was like, "Look, what, would you try and go for counselling or something?" So I said, "Okay, well, why not? I might as well try it." And um, Actually, that was the the journey. That was the 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 moment that I started to heal. So that was the catalyst. Yeah, it was. So it's okay not yeah, to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. That. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to talk about mm-hmm. it, and it's okay to get therapy. And so, my first session with the counselor, I just cried. So I was harboring all this grief and pain that I was not really dealing with or speaking about. And it was going to come out one way or the other. Yeah, and I suppose I came, my family are very Irish in, in sentiment that um, oh, at least. You got pregnant or at least, you know, you should never judge anyone's grief. People were trying to be meaningful, but they were saying the wrong thing. And it sort of forces you to, it discredits all your feelings. And you think, God, I really should be okay, but I'm not. And so the counsellor just, I just talked and talked and talked and I started to heal. And she, I got to a place where I was ready to start um, IVF again. And uh, I just feel like if I hadn't done that. If you hadn't done the hard work that you wouldn't get to a place that you're able to Exactly. If I hadn't gone for help, I probably would have. Who knows what would have happened, but it it worked and it empowered me to start again. And I went from being in a very low place to being really optimistic. And I felt really strong about my body and my mind. And I was ready to do it again. And I did it again and it worked and the rest is history. Mm-hmm, which is wonderful. And Laura, yeah. I know that you feel passionately about surrounding yourself with the right sort of people that, yeah. y- you know, it is about whether if you're struggling finding professional help, but also in your day to day life that you're with people that support you. Yeah, I think that's that's most important, really. I think that negativity is catching, you know, and I think that if you're if you surround yourself with negative people, then your thoughts are going to become Simply negative. by osmosis, you're going to you're, go- you're yeah. going to literally catch yeah. it. I mean, don't they say you're you're um the the five people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. make up you yeah. so i for me i surround myself with positive people i i put out positivity like and and Touching on what you said, Alison. That worries me because I'm watching a lot of In the Night Garden at the moment. So, um, so that's, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> just have the other four things. Just yeah. A little <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it's, it's very important for mums, if they are having a bad day or they are struggling, to own it and to go, yes, I am struggling today. Um, but, but one, what is this teaching me? And two, this is only temporary, you know, and, and to, to own it, to not say, oh, no, I'm fine, because mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not fine, you're not fine, you know. So I think it's important for mums mm-hmm. to say, yep, yeah, I'm struggling. What can I do, you know, to make myself feel better or to help myself? Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important. And you know what? That's totally normal. We can't go about our lives being super happy. Yeah, everything is great. It's OK not to be OK. It's and okay I think to everybody struggles. It's OK to be annoyed at your life and be yeah. pissed off with your kids because they did something really annoying. Mm-hmm. It's OK to go and meet a friend for a coffee and just bitch about your husband or bitch I, about I don't your think life. I don't and, think and it's possible that everyone copes brilliantly and yeah. I hate that word coping um, because what does that essentially mean what mm. you're breathing and existing exactly yeah. I think everyone no matter how amazing you are and everybody is amazing but again like back to what you said perception is your reality Alison so if you perceive everyone else to be doing great and you're doing rubbish mm. it doesn't matter how good or how well you're coping it's about how you feel in yourself well, I, you hit the nail on the head where you're saying if you own it when you own something you, you take away its power You know, so when you're getting embroiled in negativity and it's like kind of turns into a waterfall and it is and it's much stronger because 
the negative part of our brain is there to protect us. It's their ancient reptilian part of our brain. So we're built that way so that our brain protects us so that we don't get into danger. Mm -hmm. So it's knowing that and knowing that we have the power to change that. But people say to me, you know, what do I need to do to get well? And then I would coach people for quite a long time. And then, you know, they leave my coaching practice and they're in a good enough place. And I keep saying to people, it's not 30 days to a better you or 60 days to a better you. It's every single yeah. day to a better you. If I didn't do the work on myself every single day, I would start slipping back. You know, the negative behavior patterns are very strong and they're a strong energetic draw. Like I get up every morning, I make time to, to meditate. I write in my gratitude journal every single day. These sound like really silly things that... When I started doing them, very few people were talking about them. Now we almost hear about them so much that they've lost their power. You know, we have people sharing inspirational quotes on social media. There's no point in sharing quotes and reading articles if you're not living it. And it doesn't take very long. Like if you if you like top and tail your day with intention. Mm-hmm. Consciously, you know, how do I want today to be? How am I feeling? Can I do as a mom? I think the most important thing you can do is breathe. Like literally breathe, you know, mm-hmm. your breath. Well, if can, you don't, you're in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you, like connect with your breath, though, in the present moment, yeah. you know, because it most is like of the time any exercise, though. I mean, we talk about mm-hmm. health generally and we focus on going to the gym, making sure you're eating the right foods. But I think to pick up on what you said, Alison, it's about exercising your mental health. Mm-hmm. It's about every day checking in with mm. yourself. And I think that's a real take home message for people at home that, yes, <laughs> you can seek support. Self-care is really important, yeah. all of that. But every day to check in and go, how am I feeling? And good, bad or indifferent. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the answer. Exactly. I, I think as a society, we're definitely changing. And think of our generation no one talked about mental health there was such a taboo well people had entire nervous breakdowns and it was like well she was just never great with her nerves yeah exactly <laughs> you know, and she, no, but it's yeah. awful and I people know. were castigated yeah. and mm. locked up but I think now it's really inspiring and I think in schools they're introducing mindfulness it's mm. just hugely important and through books and education people are learning and ch- our children will be in a completely different generation hopefully hopefully yeah so it is quite inspiring and I think we have a long way to go but it's nice to hear that it's okay to concentrate on yourself. It's okay to give yourself some time and you'll be a better person. You'll be a better mom. You know, a happy mom is a happy baby, like mm-hmm. you said, Laura. And that's just reality, isn't it? And I think we need to remember that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Um, I know for me, the gym actually is my self-care. Um, and Looks after kind of two things. Well, do you know what? Like the amount of mums or friends that I've said, oh yeah, I joined a gym and everybody, as I'm a slim build, everybody will say, What? Like the you, gym, you, you don't, don't need, need to lose to. weight. And I'm I'm like, no, it's not about losing weight. For me, it's about my mental health. Mm-hmm. And like there'll always be times in the week where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I won't go. Or, you know, the kids are being particularly difficult. And, you know, my husband will get home from work and I'll think, oh, really, I should stay at home with the kids. But I kind of need to snap out of that and go, actually, no, going to the gym is the best thing for my kids. Me being healthy, my mind being healthy is what my kids need. You know, so... It's the ultimate (laughs) self-care. But it is, yeah. And it's really hard to to kind of keep reminding yourself that 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 going and looking after your mental health is top priority for a mum. Well, for me anyway, I think that's top priority. I think for every mum it has to be because Mm. that's it. Happy mum, like you said, Avril. Mm -hmm. Happy mum, happy baby. If you're not, if you're not in a good place in yourself, how how can you be the best mum that you can be? Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting what you're saying, Laura, because loads of people always say, 
you know, learn to say no, learn to say no as a mom. And I would shift that and say, where am I not saying yes? And if you choose not to go to the gym, you're not saying yes to the things that you want to do, yeah. the things that you enjoy, That's you know, really so it's a really different way, way of looking yeah. at it. And if we if we start looking at where am I not saying yes? I didn't say yes to meeting my friend for coffee that I really miss and I'd love to see. I didn't mm-hmm. say yes to going to the cinema with my girlfriends because I was too tired after spending the day with the kids. So it just shifts your mindset into, oh, God, I'm reframing this. I'm seeing it differently. Yeah. And when I started doing that, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm always saying no yeah. to things that are important for me, like meeting my mm. friends or... You're you know, I've had too much of a busy day at work. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that a lot. But even going to these podcasts, you think, OK, I need to organise childcare and all the simple stuff like that. But they're so inspiring. Mm. And this is like our therapy. And it's so nice to say yes. And I feel so much my day is brilliant as a result because yeah. I feel like I did something for me and it was so valuable. It's our own little support. It network. is. And I love it. And we could chat all day. <laughs> we could. We absolutely could. Um, and actually, that brings us to the end. Um, I would like to sincerely thank my panel. I think people hopefully will get a lot out of that mm. and it might open up the lexicon and the conversation around motherhood and mental health. Um, finally, I'd like to thank all of you at home for listening. If you're affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, please talk to your GP, your midwife, your um, health visitor, anybody really, or somebody that you feel that can support you and help you. Remember, the take-home message, it's okay not to be okay. You can subscribe to the Motherboard podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and don't forget to rate and review only positive things, please. And we would love to hear your feedback. Thanks so much and have a lovely day. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loop, the new and extended baby range.